only in Jeff Styles America. Hey folks, old El Jefe here. It's time for Storyville. And the last Storyville we did was entitled, unfortunately, Stupid Shit That People Do, Phase One, Part A One. And strangely, because of the German concept of schadenfreude, you know that concept, right? The, the people take delight in the misery and pain of others, schadenfreude. It turned out to be one of the more popular Storyvilles we've ever done because it was a story about stupid shit that other people did, and it wasn't you, so therefore it was funny. First, tisk 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 on you for taking joy and pleasure at other people's stupidity. <laughs> Secondly, I'm glad you gave me that feedback because it made this show very easy because it's going to be stupid shit that people have done or do, part dos. Not part dos. Los partos dosos. And yes, we are. Yes, we are in Storyville. And we're going to keep it brief, which I always say. And then I ramble on for about 25 minutes. And I'm going to try not to do that today. I'm going to try to keep it brief. And then, then, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. I've learned brief with you is like an hour. It takes me 20 minutes to introduce myself. I'm sorry. I'm an incredible guy. <laughs> Jeff Styles is my name. I am Nuga's own Jeff Styles. Thank you very much. And we appreciate you tuning in to, and I've learned this too. Hey, check this, check this out. I've learned this. Thank you for tuning into wherever podcasts are distributed wherever you find your high quality podcasts that's what everybody else says huh I, I watched cbs sunday morning and they said wherever podcasts are available so i'm going to say fredpodcast.com f-r-e-d fredpodcast.com tend to go to anchor fm but wherever podcasts are available from this point forward do you remember jason the other day on the air this would have been last week, I guess, maybe earlier this week. And somebody brought up, somebody on the air, a caller, brought up a Bunsen burner. Do you remember that by any chance? I do remember that. Who was it? I don't remember the caller's name. For some reason, a Bunsen burner came up. So I had this idea in my head as, as to what I was going to do. But the Bunsen burner, for those who don't know, it's a little flame burner inside a chemistry lab or a science lab somewhere and it burned its way into my brain and it brought up a couple of memories i wish i could remember who said it why would anybody mention a bunsen burner what was even the topic that day burning um, things like burning like, and we went into the story of the guy who burnt his hair that's one of the stories uh, that's uh, one of the stories that actually was off the air that was off the air so here here's what we're going to do i was going to come in and talk about the stupid shit that people did when they got pulled over by the cops. That's not mine. No, it wasn't. It, it's not his. It's certainly not mine. That was in there when I bought the car, officer. No, I'm, I'm going to get to at least one of those stories in a second. It's for Mr. Daniel. Oh, yeah. Medical purposes. <laughs> yeah, that, that didn't work back in the day, dude. There was no medical purposes. No, we're going to go to Bunsen Burners. Because when that person mentioned that, it just brought back, rushing to me, rushing back to me like a hot kiss on the end of a wet fist, these memories of our chemistry slash biology slash science lab in the tiny, tiny little town of Bowden, Georgia at Bowden High School. So let's begin like this. 
Thank you for tuning in to fredpodcast.com or Fred Podcast or El Jefe's Toriville, whatever the hell you call it. You're but welcome. here's the deal. So this 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 high school had been located at the old location of the Bowden College. Bowden is a town, it literally says on the way in, you see the sign, it says, home of 1,300 friendly people and a couple of old grouches. Really? Yeah, it does. It says that. No. So, I mean, this is Mayberry. It's Mayberry. and But it used to be the home of Bowden College. There was an, actually a college in this tiny town. My grandmother... My mama Jet, who I've mentioned recently, was the last female graduate of Bowden College. She died when she was 102. But it was located there, so I don't know if they had these gas lines installed during the days of Bowden College, but there were these gas lines that came into the high school, and they went into the chemistry lab, and they had A, A, one story first. They had this electrical charge that somebody had figured out. Here's the Bunsen burner. It's a, it's a small metal funnel. It looks kind of like a tiny little metal dildo that sticks up out of the ground. I have no idea why. And it has, it has a spigot on it. And, and you would take a hose and you'd stick it onto the metal thing. I won't say that again. And then the hose would go somewhere else, and it would go into a, like a little flame burner thing. And you turn the little spigot on, and you'd have gas, and then you'd light the gas, and the gas would normally be a blue flame, right? Right, right. That's what Mr. Bunsen planned. But somebody had figured out, who knows who did this? I'm going to say it was Joey Adams, two years older than me. That, that son of a bitch, he was the sneakiest guy I ever knew, and he always loved playing jokes on people. But somebody figured out if you held on to the Bunsen burner spigot and you reached over, like I'm doing right now, and you touch this light switch, a metal light switch, it would shock you. Uh, somebody did that by mistake. They must have been holding the spigot. Hey, here's a metal dildo. I'll, I'll turn the light on or off. And, <laughs> and instead of getting a blue flame, they got a blue spark. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Let me do that again. <laughs> and so that, that, was, that was how it began. I'm somewhere back in 1952 or something like that. But here's what we figured out because we were smart. No use in just shocking yourself when you can shock others while shocking yourself. That's the way our brains worked. If you're going to go ahead and shock yourself because, I mean, you've got this opportunity, why not go ahead and shock others? So my friend Scooter or T-Bone, T-Bone comes into play here in a second. They would hang onto the spigot and just act like they were leaning, la, 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 just leaning in chemistry class, just leaning, looking cool, my Rod Stewart haircut in chemistry class. And I'd be over here going, eh, I'm leaning, I'm leaning like Daryl Hall, my Daryl Hall haircut in chemistry class. And somebody come by, stand up, Jason, stand up, Jason, and pretend T-Bone's over there. I say, hey, what's up, dude? Oh. I grabbed you by this forearm. He grabs you by the other forearm. What happens? You done. We complete the arc. We complete the arc. Now we have somebody in betwixt us. And they're going, <laughs> and who, might, who knows how many. <laughs> 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 and, 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 and sometimes nobody come by. We just, we just grab hands. <laughs> just, just feel the shock. <laughs> so, 
<laughs> Imagine the unhappiness of the poor person who thought they were getting some skin from two cool brothers. That's one twenty, two twenty, whatever it takes. So the light's kind of shorted. I don't know what. All I know is that we killed unknown, untold brain cells, electrocuting ourselves, tasing ourselves with the Bunsen burner. <laughs> light fixture in the Bowden High School chemistry lab. That's just story one. All right. Let me get my breath here for a second. Did, did I actually just to... felt the shock again there. I, I felt it go through my spine. Did y'all ever try to light the Bunsen with the shock? No, no, we did oh. not. Yo, God, we, we, that, was, that was stupid. We should have done that. So T-Bone was the one who had the cool Rod Stewart haircut. All right. Haircuts are going to come into play here. And we all had our longish 70s hair. And, and I had just begun experimenting with parting my hair in the middle. I had always parted my hair on the side. And here comes Daryl Hall from Hall & Oates. And he's got the longish blonde hair like I do. It's devastatingly good looking like I was. And so he parted his in the middle. So a quick side story. So I got in the habit of doing this. I got it cut where it would part in the middle, and I was having to train it. And I would, I would stick my head down, and I'd put my hand through it like this, and I'd yank my head back to try to get my long, blondish, beautiful hair out of my face. And I'm a senior, and I'm in a, a freshman homeroom. Yeah, that'd be in a homeroom, right? And I'm sitting there, and I'm the coolest guy in the world to these kids. And I'm leaning back at my chair, waiting on the teacher to get through doing whatever announcement she's got to make. So I can go to the library and just hang out because I don't have to do whatever they're doing. And I'm just killing time. And my new habit of putting my hand through my hair and throwing my head back, I'm leaning back in my chair up against the concrete block wall. Painted green like every concrete blunt, you know, block wall in, in the South in any school anywhere or hospital or whatever. And I went, boom! And I mean, I, I concussed myself. By just doing this new hair bob. Bam! And I mean, I was still leaned back in the chair, and they described it to me later because all I had was this big, huge, blazy thing come up in my eyes because, I mean, I literally concussed myself, and my chair started sliding down because I was back on the back legs, and somebody literally reached out and caught the chair before it could hit the back of the, you know, the, the ground, and all, I came to, and the teacher was going, are you okay? Are you okay? <laughs> and I'm the coolest guy in the world, right? Because I'm the senior in this freshman class. And then this one little punk-ass freshman goes, did you see that, man? Did you see what he did? And he's pointing at me. And suddenly my coolness factor dropped. Anyway, that's not that's neither here nor there. It has nothing to do with the Bunsen burner. Why are you going down that road? Why, so, <laughs> why do I hear adult education by hauling oats going Bam! Good money. <laughs> I've still got a goose egg back there. I've still got a big lump on the back of my head from that. So T-Bone... Um, he leans over the Bunsen burner at this point, and he has got a test tube filled with some kind of acid. It's acid, right? We've got safety glasses on. I don't know what kind of experiment we do it. I don't remember. All I remember is this. We were being super careful, super careful, right? And so he's got the, 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 the little test tube. He's got a test tube holder. He's got a glove on his right hand. And he's heating it up and heating it up until it starts to smoke. And we, we get our 
safety glasses on good and tight and he brings it over to this place where we're going to actually you know pour it into whatever concoction we're making whatever frankenstein formula we're making and as he does it we're sitting there very expectantly and he touches just as he's beginning to lean he touches the bottom of the test tube to his other hand his other hand (laughs) which is not protected by a glove because it wasn't getting anywhere near the experiment, right? But the bottom of the test tube is what? Yes, it's glowing white hot. So it touches his thumb knuckle, and he he yanks his right hand, the gloved one, holding the test tube of acid up, and he dashes the acid into his face. He just It's just a knee-jerk reaction. It's just a physical human reaction. He goes, and he just dashes the acid into his face. Thank God he had his safety glasses on, but it singed much of his hair, his cool Rod Stewart hair, and it gave him this raccoon scar that lasted for about two weeks around his eyes because it hit the safety glasses, and the rest of us just jumped back. And I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Doctor Strange. Have you seen the movie Doctor Strange? Uh, not Marvel's best. Uh, not Marvel's best. But Benedict Cumberhatch plays Doctor Strange. But the bad guy had these crazy sort of wine-colored scars and stains around his eyes. And it's exactly what Terry... Oops, I just used his real name. His real name wasn't Terry. T-Bone. Um, it, it, these, these stains around his eyes... And that's exactly what he looked like for like two weeks. We're going, dude, what did you do? Because they just looked like somebody had splashed themselves in the face with acid. And why would anybody do that? But he's wearing safety glasses. That was one. The other one, everybody had nicknames. This dude, his name was P-Funk. Because he was into some Parliament Funkadelic. He was a young African-American man. He, God, he was a good-looking dude. He was athletic, but he didn't play athletes. He was too cool. Or athletics. He, he, he didn't play football. He, didn't play, he was too cool for that. He walked. If only you guys could see me in the podcast. He walked like this. He, he had a sway. He had a swivel. He, he was hearing music in his own head at all times. And he had the most beautiful fro you've ever seen. It was like a Billy Preston fro. It was like, I'm trying to think of somebody of the modern era... Who, who, who has a really beautiful fro? Uh, uh, Guest Love, Quest Love from The Roots. Uh, Reggie Watts from Mocktube. Just this huge, beautiful fro. And, I mean, he had it picked out. He always had a pick in it. And P-Funk would be playing Parliament Funkadelic all the time. He'd be picking that fro and picking that fro and picking that fro. So we're in the chemistry lab, right? He's in the class with us. He's too cool to move. He's swaying back and forth. He's listening to the music in his head. And he leans over the Bunsen burner to grab something. And everybody in the school must have smelled it. The smell of burning human hair. It just It's a terrible smell. You can't get it out of your head. You can't get it out of your nostrils for days. And nobody, nobody knew where it came from because of that little blue flame that Mr. Bunsen Dr. Bunsen had come up with was virtually invisible. You really couldn't see that blue flame. It was just barely there on that little burner. And he leaned over to get something. And when he leaned back, everybody smelled the smell. And they were looking around. Oh, my God, what, what is that? I mean, should somebody hit the fire alarm button? And we're looking, P-Funk now has a racing stripe 
A huge furrow, like a plow, had been dug through his perfect fro, and it went from his forehead to the crown of his skull back here, and there wasn't no undoing it. There was no picking that out. I mean, it was gone. It was gone. And I remember we were all just looking at him, and he was going, what, what? Because he was the only person in the entire room that couldn't smell it. He was the only person in town that couldn't smell it because it was coming from the top of his head. So it had not yet emanated and gone around and tendled back up into his own nostrils. And he's going, what, what? And we're like going, we knew how much the hairdo meant to him. That do meant a lot. And a young lady who was the head of the cheerleading squad went up and just pulled him aside and talked to him, and he just started sobbing before he even saw it. And then she got her compact mirror out and showed him, and there it was, the reverse mohawk, the absolute total reverse, the negative of a mohawk. Imagine you have a globe of beautiful hair, curly hair, and it's got this massive walking trail, a path down through the middle of it, directly from between your eyebrows to the back of your skull. P-Funk had to get rid of his fro. Stupid shit people do. Shocking each other on purpose. Dashing acid into your eyes. Not the good kind of acid. Burning your most beloved hair off your head. Only in Jeff Styles, America. You know, it's an old saying that when a good man awakes in the morning, a good man on this planet there are some out there, awakes in the morning, and his foot hits the floor, the devil says, oh, no, he's up. Oh, no, he's up. We got our work cut out for us today because a good man done hit the floor. And let me tell you something. In this strange day that we're living in, there are good people out there who are in essential businesses, and the legal system, the court system, is considered to be an essential business. So if you have business to do in the court system, call the two good men I know at McMahon Law Firm, 265-1100, Jay Kinnamer, Brent Burks, 265-1100, The Insiders. Called that because they spent time inside the insurance industry. They know the tricks that that industry uses against people who have been hurt in car wrecks. They know the tricks that they use against people who are just trying to get the money that is due to them, owed to them for unemployment, for Social Security. Jay and Brent will be on your side. And trust me, you do not want to go into court, into a courtroom, without having a good attorney on your side. There's another old saying. If you represent yourself in court, you got a fool for a client. Get Jay and Brent on your side, 265-1100, The Insiders. Only in Jeff Styles, America. All right, I, I said I was originally going to come and talk about cop pullover stories. I do have one. i got to get this one off my chest because it was beating around in my head when I was first thinking about doing this podcast, which is Storyville, El Jefe's trip to Storyville. Just personal memories. And uh, so this one this one stuck out of my brain. This one does not involve me necessarily, and there are plenty that do, trust me. But three friends and I were on our way from point A to point B. Point B was a place called Lake Clyde. I know, not the most poetic, beautiful name you've heard for a lake, but that's what it was called, Lake Clyde. There was a friend of ours that lived on the other side of Lake Clyde down a dirt road. But point A was over here where the mescaline was. 
that we did before we started the drive that night through the back roads of the small country town where I was raised. For those who don't know, mescaline is, for all practical purposes, the perfect drug. If you're going to do a hallucinogenic drug, this is refined peyote, and it has removed the purgative effect. You don't puke, and it's very visual. It gives you all the visuals of LSD without the nervousness, and it doesn't last for 14 to 16 hours. and doesn't make you want to jump out of a window or kill yourself or claw your eyes out if you look in a mirror. As a matter of fact, I've always described it this way, that you could be talking to a police officer, and as long as you just didn't lose your mind and lose your shit completely, you could actually hold a conversation with an FBI lawman and he could be mutating into some sort of lizard creature. And, and as long as you just you know, kept in mind, hey, I'm doing this drug, you'd be okay. We're on our way from point A, one girl's house, to point B, friend's house on the other side of Lake Clyde. We are almost to the pull-off of the small country two-lane blacktop road onto the dirt road when suddenly, oh, no. What's the worst thing that can happen? A, the worst thing that can happen in that situation is that the phone would ring. And this is before any cell phones. So if a phone rang while you were in a car, that would be really bad back in the day. But even if you were in a house and the phone rang, that meant somebody had to answer it or you had to ignore it. And if you ignored it, then your mind would exaggerate whatever was going on. My God, my parents have been killed. You know, the country's on fire. Or, or you answered it and it was like, hey... Is Steve there? And then you go, oh, Steve, 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 who's Steve, Steve? You know, if you're tripping, the phone ringing was horrible. That's the worst thing. Second worst thing would be getting pulled over by a cop if you were in a car. You shouldn't be driving anyway, of course. Kids don't do drugs. They destroy neighborhoods and communities and lives. But we were doing them. And I don't know, the driver was not me. I was in the passenger side. The guy behind the driver in the back seat was the technical scientific Medical term is tripping balls. He was tripping balls. We'd each done a tiny little aluminum foil container, folded up thing of mescaline. He did two. And therefore, he was tripping twice as much as we were. And he was, he was getting sort of hard to calm down. He was seeing things that weren't there. We all were. He was just seeing more of them. He was hearing more things than we were hearing that weren't there. And he was beginning to get out there a little bit into that perimeter that you really don't want to be in if you're doing hallucinogenics. And we were looking very forward to getting to point B to our friend's house so we could get rid of this guy for a little bit and dump him on somebody else and so we could have fun. We could enjoy ourselves. Boo! Boo! All of a sudden, we got the cops. One big blue bubble. I don't know what they looked like in your neighborhood back in the day or now, but that was what it used to look like in our day. One big blue bubble. Oh, my God, it's the Bowden cops. And we pull over. And everybody, all right, stay cool, stay cool. We know the nature of the drug we're doing. That we, If we just don't freak out, we'll be okay. And who is it that's pulled us over? Why, it's the assistant police chief, Billy Joe. As we knew him, Billy Joe, I know I've used this word already once in this podcast, Billy Joe the Human Dildo. That is what he was known as. Literally, literally, hum, Billy Joe the Human Dildo. That's what he was known as. And he comes walking up, and he is exactly that commercial, TV commercial, 
almost cartoon stereotype of a small southern cop and a uh, small town southern cop. He wasn't small. He was a big guy, a big old belly, and he's pulling up his pants. He's got his gun, his billy club, and all that stuff. He starts talking to the driver who's keeping his act together. He is just chill, and the rest of us are looking out the window. Do, 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 do. We're just going over here to point B to our friend's house. We're almost there. And he takes his light out, as cops do, starts shining him in everybody's eyes. Of course, our pupils stay completely dilated because of the mescaline. And he gets to our buddy back there, and everybody's passed so far. We've just, we've, we've just totally passed this thing off so far. And he gets to our buddy in the back seat behind the driver. And he looks up, and his name was Greg. And he was an incredible musician, but he, he couldn't have played his instrument for a million dollars at that point. He didn't even know what music was other than the stuff he was hearing in his head. And he was looking at the light like it was the sun itself, and it was all kinds of shiny and colors and stuff like that. And the cop starts talking to him, and he just doesn't say anything. He just stares at the light. He's fascinated with the light in his eyes. And at some point, the driver who's really kept his, his chill on, he, he, he says to the police officer, he goes, sir, he's just tired. We're trying to get to our friend's house. We're just going right here to Lake Clyde. He's just tired. And this is what cops used to say. Whenever you said something they didn't like, they would say, something you didn't like's ass. It didn't matter what it was. Why'd you run that red light? He goes, I was, there was this rat in the car. He'd go, rat's ass. Well, why'd you go across that yellow line? I was dodging that possum. Possum's ass. That was that was the immediate comeback for anything. He's just tired. He goes, tired's ass. He puts his light back in his eyes again. He goes, I need you to get out of the car, son, as also you were son. It didn't matter how old you were, how old the cop was. You were son if you were pulled over. And so here's Greg, and he's starting <laughs> to try to figure out the lever the door handle of the car that he doesn't own that he's never been in before to try to get out so he can get closer to the light, the fascinating light. And, um, and the cop's standing there patiently and Greg is fumbling and he can't find the door handle. So he literally starts crawling out the window. He starts crawling out the window toward the police officer who is now alarmed He's now beginning to really freak out, and he's stepping back. He's, he switches the flashlight from his right hand to his left hand. His, his right hand goes down to his pistol. And he's going, son, hold it right there, hold it right there, hold it right there. So Greg is now, he has sort of flowed over from the back seat. Half of him is out, and one leg is out, and one arm is out. And the rest of him is in, and he's somehow inverted himself. So he's got a leg up and an arm down and his head is kind of upside down he's looking up at the light and the officer is beginning to kind of go all right we got something on our hands here and he goes what's wrong with you son what's wrong with you you you're tired ass what's wrong with you and greg looks up at him and he looks past the light for the first time and he sees the officer's face i think the light may have just just fallen down a little bit and he goes man you melting Cop goes, what? He goes, you, you melting, man. You melting. And at that point, a miracle happened. Every once in a while, part B of the experiment kicks in, and a miracle happens. And it did that night. 
the cop said, get back in the car, son. Just just get back in the car. And he goes, where'd you guys say you were going? We said, we're just going over here to dude's house here, point B, over in Lake Clyde. He goes, all right, you're going right here to this dirt road? We said, yes, sir. He let us go. He let us go. Oh, they were different days. They were different days back in the mid to late 70s. And so he followed us. We were just giving Greg just all kinds of hell. What the hell, man? You tried to crawl out the window. You told the cop his face was melting. In the history of copdom, nobody has ever looked at a cop, no matter what they were doing, and said his face was melting. You idiot. Now he's following us. He's going to bust the whole group of people down there. You, you moron. And we get there. We pull in the driveway, not of our friend, because that would have been uncool, because all the people in there would have been subjected to the copperosity that was going on and suddenly there'd have been single blue lights everywhere and blue fire would have been blazing all over Lake Clyde. We pulled into another friend's house that we knew wasn't home because they were over at point A where the mescaline was. And we started getting out like we knew what we were doing. And the cop just sat there behind us in the car and he watched us get out. And we all walked in the carport and turned the corner and jumped inside their little storage closet inside the carport. They had a little storage closet and the cop wasn't where he could see us. He just saw us go around the corner, and we jumped inside the closet. We go, what the hell do we know? I said, what are we going to do now? It's dark. We couldn't see each other. We were still melting, I'm sure, as far as Greg was concerned. But then we heard the car wheels on the gravel, and the cop pulled back. Billy Joe, the human dildo, rode off into the night, never to be seen again until probably the next day when he pulled people over from point B and point A, leaving to go to their various homes or churches or whatever. But there you go. Stupid shit that people do near Bunsen burners in chemistry labs, talking to cops while tripping on mescaline. Thank you for listening to El Jefe's Trip to Storybook.